Welcome to The Untouchables featuring The Sopranos. Uh, the Untouchables is a Catch-22 production. Um, each week we dive into a, uh, an episode of Sopranos in order. Uh, this week is Season 1, Episode 5, College. Originally aired uh, February 7th, 1999. There's no real hidden meaning behind college. It's Tony and Meadow going out on a, a road trip to visit some colleges. And... Um, We'll get more into we'll get more into the synopsis later, but that's the only real meaning behind college, I think. Um, there's a quote in this episode that Tony reads when they're at one of the schools. Uh, it's a Nathaniel Hawthorne quote. I guess it's a little bit edited for this episode's purposes, but uh, the quote is: "No man can wear one face to himself and another to the multitude without finally getting bewildered as to which one may be true." It's a little heavy-handed uh, because the episode's all about Tony balancing. His home life with his work life, <laughs> with his work life being his life in crime. <laughs> so I guess it's not, it's not the, exactly the same balance that you and I have to deal with between balancing our family and our work. It's a little bit different uh, in Tony's case. Also, it's kind of to do with uh, Carmela, um, which, which is a true Carmela, as we see she has some demons of her own she has to, has to face. And even with Father Phil, as he's dealing with whatever the hell he's dealing with this episode. Um, so the quick synopsis is this. Tony tours the Northeast with Meadow and runs into a former business so- associate while Carmela spends an evening soul-searching with Father Phil. Tony's trip ends with blood on his hands and Carmela comes away with a clear conscience. Um, let's get into some... For those of you who haven't listened to this yet, uh, I do this in, about, in three parts. We'll have a quick conversation about it now that we've done the synopsis. Uh, and then we'll have a couple segments... And then we'll close it out with uh, the best quotes of the episode, and we'll pick an MVP of the episode. Uh, so let's get started with our conversation here. I wanted to bring up a couple of things. First, this episode, College, uh, is everybody's favorite. Going down uh, best, best of lists, it was listed as uh, Time Magazine's Best Sopranos episode. It was TV Guide's second best television episode. The Contest from Seinfeld was first, in case you're interested in that. Um, this is really Sopranos' first foray into the standalone episode. So, David Chase made it a point to make these episodes each a little movie so that you can watch them uh, individually without really needing the full story behind it, whether it was a previous episode or previous season or whatever the, whatever the kind of um, linear story might be. So this is this is one that's just perfect. I mean, you only have four real characters in it. It's just Carmel, uh, Carmela and Father Phil with a little bit of AJ in there. And there's Tony and Meadow. And it's Chris by phone and Febby, who's the rat that Tony runs into in, while they're in Maine. It's Tony really at his most complicated. Um, as he as we mentioned earlier, it's, it's him dealing with Meadow, who, who kind of outright asks if he's in the Mafia, who does outright ask if he's in the Mafia, and then he spends that episode, rest of the episode, uh, he, he's honest with her there, but then this part of his business comes up that he really can't discuss with her, and he spends the entire episode lying to Meadow, you know, about Febby, about uh, uh, leaving his watch, and she's really just another pawn uh, in his life. It's unfortunate, you know, it's sad to think of it that way, but really he just needs to 
he needs her to shut up and stop asking questions so he can make his life a lot easier. That's really that's really what it is. That's what it comes down to. Um, and yeah, it doesn't. The story doesn't pick up from last episode. You know, last we see, it's Tony and it's uh, Tony and uh, Uncle Junior, and there's no mention at all of that stuff of the pending business at hand. So it's interesting in that case. And the only part that really, the only thing that really comes up is the whole thing with Dr. Melfi being a woman and Carmela not knowing that, and that kind of spurs her whole. Um, evening with Father Phil into something different than maybe than it would have been. Uh, one other thing I want to read this before we get into that part of it, the Carmela part of it, is this quote from SopranosAutopsy.com. Um, getting back to the part, uh, the point that he is at his most complicated in this episode. This quote I thought was great. Tony Soprano is a man who can kill a large, dangerous adversary with his bare hands. But he's also a guy who gets unnerved by teenage girls' probing questions. <laughs> really, sum, really sums it all up. Um, I, I just want to say one thing: Father Phil is a piece of shit and a, and a wuss. Uh, he does. He has these stupid ass little sayings and these half-assed sermons about love. As Carmelo is at this at this vulnerable spot, she try. He kind of comes off with this with these De Niro impressions. Uh, that aren't great, and he's a goof. And on top of that, he can't handle his booze, <laughs> right? So, hey, and I think I kind of think that throwing up the communion is kind of frowned upon in the in the um, in the community, you know, in his community. Yeah. Uh, something about this episode I didn't know about until researching it. Chase David Chase, the creators of The Sopranos, had to argue to get Tony to kill Febby. Uh, he said the audience would never forgive him for not killing this guy. And he said if he didn't, the show would, then he's full of shit, and then the show's full of shit. And the, stu- and the studio or the network argued that you can't have the main character that's doing these brutal crimes. But I mean, if he's a mob boss, he's got to be doing brutal crimes. He can't be, he can't just be sitting there with his uh, manicured fingers and not getting any, not getting any dirt under them, you know. So. That that's interesting to think of that time in history for television. Now we see protagonist after protagonist do terrible shit as we root for them all, all along the way. But Tony was really the first, and breaking through that barrier was was important for Chase, and it, and it worked obviously. Um, a couple things here before I move on. When we see Tony sneaking around Febby's house, we see. Febby's daughter say hurry daddy and we're looking at Tony when we hear that and it just reminded me of um, later episodes of Sopranos well, the Kevin Finnerty part where um, the Kevin Finnerty arc where uh, where Meadow's the one who's really calling him back like don't daddy don't um, and that hurry daddy just pinged when I was watching it as a, as a kind of foreshadowing that I'm sure wasn't planned at this point, but um, another thing, Fabby's Fabby hires a couple or tries to hire a couple addict drug addicts to, uh, to to follow Tony out of state and shotgun him to death in front of his daughter. That they don't they don't take the deal. But on their way out, Fabby goes, "We were vol- we were volunteer firefighters together, asshole." <laughs> and I'm not sure what it is with you know with the uh, people on the lam and. Firefighting, because then Vito did the same thing a few seasons later. He goes on a lamb, he ends up, he ends up, um, 
with his own connections to volunteer firefighters. And, I don't know. I thought it was odd. And let's see. The, the one kind of lasting image from this episode is Fabi, Fabi dies. His phone rings. Tony hears the ducks, and he's staring up, kind of wondering where he stands with his family once more. Uh, that seems to happen a lot in Sopranos. Guy gets killed, and somebody's looking for him like two minutes later. And uh, the ducks, oh, yeah, they're seagulls. Or dice. Yeah, they're quacking, so they're probably ducks. And I, think I, I think I thought we don't really see any ducks at all the rest of the series, but this is in one instance where they pop up again. So I know we hear ducks again. I'm not sure if we'll see ducks again, though. All right, let's get into some segments now. Um, first, we're going to start off with what the fuck did he say? Uh, this is kind of where we get into what you might have heard in Italian. Maybe didn't didn't occur to you what it meant, or just a little walk down memory lane because you heard it when you were a kid. You haven't heard it ever since uh, your uncles died. Uh, when Christopher and Tony are on the phone, Christopher's pleading his case. He wants to come up and uh, and kill Fabi for Tony, and Tony says, "No, no, no, don't come." And Chris says, "Who gods don't come?" Ugash just means it's like another word for nothing. Or in this case, it's kind of just like forget about it. But uh, here it's like it's, it means nothing, but uh, it's just like an ex- exclamation, just a, a um, Swiss Army knife exclamation here. Um, Carmela to the priest, she says, of all the Fanuc priests in the world, why do I have to get the one who's straight? Uh, Fanuc. <laughs> Is, I mean, it's a vegetable. Um, it tastes like a little anise flavor to it. It's good after dinner, uh, as a little c- helps settle the stomach instead of maybe doing sambuca or anisette. You do uh, some fenouk. But it also mean it's also a um, a term uh, for it's not it's not a term of endearment for another gay man for another gay man for a gay man. I'm not sure who I'm not sure Carmela. <laughs> um, would be called another gay man. No, uh, it, it's derogation for um, uh, for a gay person. Uh, Tony, when he is uh, when he confronts Fabi towards uh, the end or at the end, when he finally has him, and Fabi's pleading his case that he could have shot him and killed him. There's he's saying that there got to be a way that can get around this. Um, he didn't shoot didn't shoot him last night in front of his daughter. Tony says, if you shot me in that motel, your life would have been flushed down a pichadu. Pichadu is just a, is a term for a toilet. That's it. Um, when uh, my, my son went to, uh, I'm not sure if I'm proud of this or embarrassed by this, but when my son went to uh, like preschool, he, he told the teacher once he had to, he had to use the pichad because I occasionally say that, use that term. So... Um, but yeah, much different context here than a toddler using it, than Tony using it uh, to describe you know, what, what a mess this man's life has become as he strangles the life out of him. Uh, Godfather Goodfellas references or influences. Uh, Tony Meadow were talking and uh, she's saying that her friends think it's cool because, and he said it's because they've seen The Godfather. And Meadow says, no, it's Casino, Sharon Stone, 70s clothes, pills, <laughs> which... Uh, I mean, you think about it, besides Sharon Stone, there's some 70s clothes. I mean, Walnuts, he doesn't dress really up to uh, the modern day, uh, modern man, really. And Pills, 
we know there's plenty of drug use in Sopranos. So maybe. I'm not sure that exactly matches up, but um, the older generation who used the Godfather's template, younger generation looking at something like Casino. Uh, here we're going to address criticism. The original criticism of Sopranos was glorifying the mob and uh, the violence in it. In this episode, there's really only uh, the Febby hit. That's really it. And it's long and drawn out. It's a little bit unrealistic. I mean, Tony has a whole conversation with the guy uh, before he throws him on the ground and chokes him out. But the camera's right there with Tony uh, as he pulls back that wire. We see the wire cutting into Tony's hands. It's in the, Besides the conversation, that part is really graphic. And we see Tony kind of at his most animalistic self here as he, he is full mobster right now at this point. Um, you know, he dropped, uh, dropped Meadow off at, at another school for, uh, for a visit. And then we see him um, taking care of some unfinished business, you know, for uh, for his father and for who? Uh, there's one of the mobsters who said died in the can. What does he say? Uh, oh, Jimmy says hello from hell, you fuck. But uh, yeah, so that's another thing I didn't, I didn't really mention earlier. But yeah, we get to see a little bit of Tony's backstory here. Um, he talks about his father dying maybe ten years prior to this. Uh, and, th- and this guy ratting people out had a lot to do with it. So, um, at least not a lot to do with his death, but had to, had to do with his deterioration. Had, it, it bothered him to a point where it, it maybe uh, expedited his illness. All right, let's get into the episode menu. Not a, not a great episode for food. Uh, we see AJ bring Carmela poached eggs uh, and as she's uh, recovering from her illness. Uh, AJ was kind of cute here, right? He says, "We're not you're not going to eat them now after all that work," and it gets it gets a laugh now. And at what point? And now I'm on the lookout for when AJ became a problem because right now I didn't I don't mind AJ so much. Between last episode, um, with his 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 schoolyard experience, and that fight that never was, and now you know I got to figure out what at what point we started to dislike AJ. Um, but also he fucked up the poached eggs. I mean, there was a shell around him. That's not a poached egg. That's a soft-boiled egg, AJ. Come on. Um, the Big Ziti. Uh, we know Big Ziti shows up a lot. And Father Phil. Monsignor Jughead, as Tony calls him. Um, he likes it better frozen because the, mut- the mutara gets all chewy. I don't know what the fuck he's talking about. He just wants to say something to impress Carmela. Piece of shit. Uh, Cajun stuffed olives making an appearance. Jalapenos and Cajun spices in the olives. I, I'm down for that. I've had jalapeno stuffed, but I'm not sure I ever had the full, full on Cajun stuff, so I'm ready to try that. Uh, Carmelo offers Father Phil some Fernet, which is a after dinner drink. It's bitter, um, kind of like Campari. It, Campari is like bright red, but this is a darker color. Um, but it's a bitter after dinner drink. Settles the stomach. I guess that's that's what Carmela says. I've gotten drunk off of before, and it's not pleasant. <laughs> it's kind of it's kind of a disgusting drink to get drunk off of. But when you're a kid and it's in the house, you know, mix with a little coke, you're all right. There's a there's a tip for you underage drinkers out there. Don't underage drink. Oh, I like how Febby one Febby's um, his only good quality in this episode is when he goes to see the guy at the at the garage. He goes, Fred, are you making any of that homemade cheese this year? So at least he brought. At least he brings uh, some of his, um, some of the good things he learned, you know, up into his life in Maine. Still making the homemade cheese. And when Tony gets home, he's got to be going right to the cold cuts, right? It's got to be super sod. 
Tony goes in the fridge. She sees the ziti's all gone. The whole fucking tray is gone. He's pissed off about it. Then he reaches right for the cold cuts and he starts eating some, uh, I'm not sure. It could be kabul. It could be prosciutto. It could be supersan. My guess is supersan. There you go. Bon appetit. All right, and now it is time for the top five quotes and the MVP of the episode. Let's get right into it. Uh, number, fi- number five is a non-top five quote, but we're putting this in there because it's so fucking bad. Um, Carmela and Father Phil are on the floor eating and drinking, and Father Phil says, This Chianti, though, is beyond reproach. Word up. I fucking hate that line, but it made top five just because from my pure... Hatred of it. Uh, number four is Christopher on the phone um, with Tony. I am your soldier, Antonio. This is my duty, like we're always talking about. Clipping a famous rat would put me a cunt hair away from being made. <laughs> yeah, a couple times in, in the series, I think about being a cunt hair away from something, and this is uh, the newest one. Or the first, the original one, I guess. I don't know. Uncle Junior uses that phrase at some point, uh, and this time it's, it's Christopher. But I always like that one. I am your soldier, Antonio. Uh, number three. What do you got? Wet shoes. When Tony's talking to Chris, and Chris and Tony says, Hey, you chose this life. You don't want to work in the rain trout for the fucking Yankees. Um, number two on the list is Carmela. Really, power move here by Carmela. Well, not really, because she, she, at this point, she's on the phone with Dr. Melfi, and she just assumes that he's banging Dr. Melfi on the side. And she drops, I lost my pencil up his ass. And that's how she says goodbye. <laughs> I was like, that's a funny line. And number one, and look, uh, at the end, Tony has a bunch of good lines. As he, oh, He's really overplaying his hand with the Father Phil thing. He finds out Father Phil stayed over. He overplays his hand here. Um... He, he drops a number of lines. Machine Jughead. Uh, he, she says, uh, she, he gave me communion. He says, oh, I bet he gave you communion. And Carmel says, that's verging on sacrilege. She says, oh, I didn't mean to verge. But the line that's number one line in the episode is, uh, what'd you do for 12 hours? Play Name That Pope? So there you go. Top five quotes for college. And now we pick an MVP. This MVP it was Tony's. It was Tony's to take for however long the episode was. If it was 47 minutes, it was his to take for 45 minutes. And he comes home. He overplays his hand, talking about Father Phil, Carmela, and and Carmela at the last second just says, your doctor called. Jennifer? And it was Tony getting kicked right in the stomach. All the wind of his shit with uh, Father Phil, all that momentum he had going is for shit. And then he's chasing after, and that's how the whole thing ends. So Carmella, after uh, Tony drops the ball, wins this episode's Most Valuable Paisan. Um, Interesting line. Interesting group so far uh, for your MVPs. I didn't see it playing out like this. Tony's only got one through five episodes. Uh, and the only other main character who is a gangster is Walnuts. Nobody else has uh, has it. I do have to question something, though. If if Carmela... 
I mean, if, if Fighterfield didn't get sick, would Carmella have the moral high ground to treat Tony like this here? Or did him getting sick, was that just like, did she see it as like a sign from God saying, look, okay, this is not, not going to happen now. This is not the time or the place for it. Um, yeah, I'm not sure. Because it's pretty obvious that they would have gone further had he been able to hold his white wine. But of course, as we talked about, he's a fucking wuss. So, yeah. So, so Carmelo wins this one, um, maybe by a contender. That's it for episode five, college. I'm going to try and get one out as soon as possible, hopefully by Wednesday night, Thursday morning. I'll do episode six. I've been slacking a little bit after I took a week off last week. But I'm back, and we're going to put the pedal to the metal now. Don't forget, uh, The Untouchables featuring Sopranos is a Catch-22 production. Uh, be sure to... Check out our daily show every morning, about 22 minutes, for my own personal Catch-22. Um, and I want to say thank you to um, Sopranos Autopsy, uh, Alan Sevenwall's book, The Soprano Sessions, who, who are main points of um, uh, research when I go through all this. And a big thank you to The Sopranos Club, uh, who's helped me out with promoting this podcast. Hope you guys enjoyed it. Thank you very much for listening. And we will see you soon with the next episode of The Untouchables featuring Sopranos. Take care. Have a great fucking day.